and we are live with the All Gas No Breaks Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nick Pavona, joined alongside once again by Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G Marino. And guys, as you can tell by the music, it is def- it is Halloween edition of the All Gas No Breaks Sports Show. Certainly a spooky weekend we just had with the college football and the NFL. But guys, another interesting podcast, say the least, coming up. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. We have a lot of great games that happened over the weekend, a lot of upsets, and uh, some really interesting coaching changes. And we're going to go into that later in the episode, but I'm looking forward to the special edition Halloween episode. Now, what's the scariest thing about college football this year? Um, the lack of a true number one team. That's that. That's a lot, Georgia. That's a, that's, that's a pretty good uh, That's a pretty good one. But even the number one team in Georgia's looked pretty scary this year. Uh, against teams like Mizzou, and uh, and they've had their definite definite lapses in offense and defense. So I'd say not having a true number one team, but if there is a number one team, I would say, have to say it's Georgia. Oh, it's but. it's Georgia, but I mean, I wouldn't call that. I would say it's your tradition, your traditional true number. I would one. say some of these top teams struggling throughout the past couple of weeks with some of these, you know, so called power five teams that yeah, are not yeah. really that great, and they're you know, struggling each and every week. But we'll get into that a little bit later on the show. I think the first game we have to talk about, though, is this Ohio State-Penn State game that we just had to re- uh, this past Saturday. Big showdown in the Big Ten. Ohio State coming into this game, the number two right team in the country. Facing number 13, Penn State. Penn State is still trying to bounce back from that loss to Michigan a couple weeks ago. Had a nice bounce back win against Minnesota the previous week. Ohio State, realistically, their first true road test of the season. Facing a tough Penn State crowd in their whiteout. And for most of this game, it looked like Ohio State was in trouble. They fell down at one point in the fourth quarter, 21-16. to But Ohio State would rattle off 28 points in the fourth quarter and would hang on to win this game 44-31. to Another big strong outing from C.J. Stroud. He continues to prove why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And Penn State realistically had a chance to win this game, but some early mistakes by Sean Clifford really cost them the game at the end of the day. Ohio State gets the win, stays undefeated. It keeps their college football playoff hopes alive. This yeah, is just we, another proven fact that James Franklin is a fraud of a head coach. This guy cannot beat a top five team if his fucking life depended on it. He has one win in his career against a top ten team in his career. So, yeah, not a good showing from James Franklin, to say the least. I mean, what is his, he doesn't have a good record against ranked opponents in general. He is the least clutch coach. I mean, I, I hate to use clutch for a coach, but, I mean, if you look at his resume – Against top twenty-five teams, it's rather pathetic. Yeah, no one can disagree with that. Now we, now we did say last week that this was going to be a surprising game. That Penn State was going to keep it close, and I think they were better than a two-touchdown team. I think the spread was minus sixteen. I would have taken Penn State plus fourteen, even. And Penn State covered. And Penn State, I don't think did they cover they at the end. What was the final? Forty-four score? thirty-one was the final. Penn State did cover at the end. Forty-four thirty-one. So they did cover at the end of the day, but this we thought this could be a lot closer. And if it wasn't for that miracle in the fourth quarter where Penn State defense just kind of fell asleep, it would have been a completely different game. Because those first three quarters, it really looked like the upset was going to happen. That OSU was about to fall, and the only way they were going to win now, or at least get the college football players, if they ran the table. But thankfully. Uh, their offense and defense woke up at the end of the game, and they live another day. I actually think that that mostly happened because of play calling, though. Like, it, how many times did 
Ohio State's drives just fall apart. Like Stroud at one point was had only three incompletions. Like if you look at what his stat line was for the majority of this game, it was you're looking at it, you're like this team had to be up by a million points because <laughs> he was so efficient. But they just their drives just kept sputtering. Uh, they'd get away from you know the play calls they needed to run a bullshit pl- bullshit run even. And it ended up costing them a drive. Yeah, we it, also have to talk about Sean Clifford, though. Um, well, he's a bum. We knew this. Well, I'm the, not going to call him a bum, but I'm going to no, say he's he, a bum. He, well, he the did. Guy's been, he had, the guy's been in college football for six goddamn years and still can't. He had a very, a very bad first half. We threw, like I said, two very crucial interceptions. I realistically, the difference of this game, a 13-point game. So right there, those two interceptions proved very costly in the end of the day. Had three total for the game. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, Clifford has had some moments where, you know, maybe we've seen some brilliance out of him. But then you have a game like this where he, you know, you need him to really step up and give you that big-time moment. He just did not have it in this game. I want to say Sean Clifford did his best Jameis Winston impersonation, having almost 400 passing yards with three interceptions and the same amount of touchdowns. I mean, If that pick six doesn't happen towards the... If if the pick six doesn't happen towards the end, I think we have a completely different game yeah here. i mean he had a he had 13 targets to parker washington parker washington them amazing were in this game though 179 yards i mean like can i tell the i mean the majority of his completions and yards came to one player like hey when you have when you have one guy that can catch the ball like that and make some good time runs i mean why not i guess i could say the same thing about marvin harrison for ohio state but like I, I, I think what you got out of this game is that you saw two really good young wide receivers that are going to be potential future NFL prospects, and they're going to be you know highly touted when they are eligible to go in the draft. Marvin Harrison looks like a beast, maybe a potential top 10 pick with the way he's playing right now. Parker Washington, with this game alone, he probably got himself some first-round consideration in two years. So both of these guys look great at the end of the day. But like I said, CJ Stroud did just enough to win this game, outdueling Sean Clifford. The three interceptions do prove to be the difference in this game. Ohio State gets the win, remains undefeated. They still have a big game coming up with Michigan down the line this season. The college football playoff poll is out tomorrow. We'll have to see where they rank right now in the football world. I would have to admit they're still going to be top four no matter what at the end of the day. But the question is, where will the committee put them in that top four to say to say at the end of the day? Also, just to put it out there, Ohio State was missing one of their best receivers as well. Yeah, Jackson. Uh, yeah, he was out. And uh, I always I forget how in Jabba, right? In Jigba. In Jigba. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I mean that guy's also a freak. And yeah, he's so, a, he's man. another talent that's going to be in the first round this year's NFL draft. A lot of people are wondering: Is he the number one wide receiver in the draft class? Is it Quinton Jefferson? Um, is it um, Johnston? <laughs> excuse me from TCU. It's really close. It's one A, one B. Realistically, might be it. Yeah, I mean, Hyatt might be that guy. <laughs> I, I don't, th- but I keep telling you, I think Hyatt is in this draft. I think he's next year. He's he's draft eligible. He's draft he's eligible, right but now? I think I could see him going next With year. The year he's having right now, how do you not leave? Because I don't know if you're gonna get that first round recognition that you might get next season. I don't get how he's not because I think it's I think he caught on too late for like, compared to guys like Injigba and Johnson. They've been doing this for a little bit. You really haven't heard of Hyatt realistically since this season. 
This is the first time we're hearing of Jalen yeah, Hyatt. Also, I mean, uh, but think about how many times receivers have done that though in the past, where like they just have that one crazy year and end up going in the first round. It, it I mean, yeah, that. but I think NFL talent. I mean, draft prospects and scout. You know, scouts are always looking for guys that have been doing it for years and years. Even a guy like on LSU, Keyshawn Booty. That's his actual name. They're looking for guys like that that have been doing this for a couple of seasons. And they say, all right, we have a track record of how long they've been doing it instead of, oh, we have a one-year wonder potentially in this guy that could maybe do some amazing things. But at the end of the day, is he going to keep doing that in the NFL? I don't know. No, that's 100% a fair, ta- fair thought. But, I mean, the, the guy's averaging 20 yards per reception. No, I know. He's He's, he's been amazing. 14 touchdowns. Like, it's insane. I know. And we'll get into him a little bit later on with, with Tennessee's game against Kentucky. But you're right. I mean, he had a, he had a big game again this week. Had a monster game against Alabama earlier in the season. He's definitely earned some recognition as one of the best in, in the nation. I just don't know if he's going to be in this draft class or if he's going to commit to next year. It's only time's going to tell. Still a lot of weeks left in the season. We'll have to see what happens with him. So, Nick. No. I know where you're going with this. We, ha- we, ha- we have to talk about this. So, let's just get this out know, of the way right I now. Know. Notre Dame going into, I'm going to call it the Carrier Dome because that's what it uh, actually is. No. It's not the JMA Wireless Dome. I know. I know that's the real name, but it's the Carrier Dome. Notre Dame going into the Carrier Dome, looking to get a statement win on the season. Routes Syracuse 41-24. Yep. What happens? Uh, Well, when you throw a pick six in the first play of the game on an RPO, uh, you're not going to be you know looking good at the end of the day when that ha- stuff like that happens. Let's just face facts for a Syracuse fan. Garrett Schrader has been great for Syracuse this season, but when you ask him to do more than he is willing to do, when you're asking him to do a lot of passing, which is what happened, this is why Syracuse lost last week against Clemson. They try to throw the ball a lot, which is not in their memoir. They're not really a passing team. They are known for running the football. They didn't do it against Clemson in the second half, and they didn't do it in this game either because realistically, Sean Tucker, 16 carries for 60 yards, they had 61 yards total as a team. So once again, they're not run the ball. They're trying to throw the ball as much as they could. That's one. Well, go ahead. I will say this, that there are some pauses. Uh, Syracuse backfield looked pretty good, keeping Drew Pine to under 120 yards. I, mean, I know he's not lighting the world on fire every game, but to keep him 60 yards below his yeah, average. Yeah, but only let him when you're giving up touchdown. 250 yards rushing against Notre Dame, that, that's not... That was my... Uh, that was my negative point. Yeah. I was going to say, you, got, you guys got absolutely killed on the there, ground I, game, almost giving up five and a half yards per there really was not any. There really wasn't a positive at all in this game. Syracuse got, I mean, they tied the game right after giving up the pick six, but once the second quarter happened, Notre Dame started to run away with this game. Outscored Syracuse 14 and nothing. And the worst part of it, Garrett Schroeder gets injured in this game. He was out the entire second half, so Carlos Del Rio Wilson had to play the second half. Didn't look too terrible. Did have an interception, also threw for a touchdown. So maybe you're seeing some remnants of what he could be down the line for the Orange. But at the end of the day, let's face facts. You're not going to win games if you're giving up a lot of yards rushing. Look what happened last week against Clemson. They got destroyed by that Clemson backfield. And it happened again this week against Notre Dame. Audric Estime, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Can't let that happen. Logan Diggs, 20 for 85 and a touchdown. You can win games in college football against some of these schools. I don't care if Notre Dame's had a bad season or if they're still not, you know, the old Notre Dame. They're still, you know, a prestigious program where they have good talent. And let's just face facts. They ran the ball down Syracuse's throat. That's why Syracuse loses this game. 
And I, I said it before the week, ha- you know, this game happened. I said I wasn't really confident going into this game. You have a big, you know, a tough, cruci- excruciating loss against Clemson in a game that you could have won. And you have to wonder, did that, you know, was that lingering in the back of everyone's mind for the Orange? I don't know. It looked like it with this loss. I think it 100% was looking at uh, the back of everyone's mind. It's hard for these young kids to just, you know, when the game is in the palm of your hands and you just completely give it up Yeah. in that game against Clemson. You saw it happen last year, too. And you really can't blame the kids either. That was a game which they should have won, but they lost, and it was just kind of the, uh, the hangover. Syracuse, at the end of the day, lost to Notre Dame, and I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of in any year. Uh, but I think in this particular year, it stings a little bit more. I mean, listen, yeah, I mean, going into the season, if you told me Syracuse could lose Notre Dame, I would have 100% agree with you because Notre Dame on paper was a better team. Now, the way the season has gone for both of these teams – yeah, it stings because Syracuse has played really good this season, got off to a nice undefeated start, then had the, the game in which they could have won against Clemson, and you're hoping that they could win this game against Notre Dame. Didn't happen at the end of the day. Notre Dame has been a little bit better as of late, obviously had that big you know, disaster against Stanford in which they couldn't score a touchdown against a really bad Stanford team. But Notre Dame still has some talent, as I said before, on their team to get them into a winning position, and that's exactly what happened at the end of the day. And I think we could stay on topic here and move to our next game with Louisville being a huge upset versus Wake Forest. Now, I was going to play some bets on Saturday and I saw hmm. Louisville versus Wake Forest. Louisville was a plus three underdog. And I'm like saying, this is trap game written all over it. I didn't realize how big of a trap this would be because <laughs> by the time the third quarter happened. Yeah. 35 unanswered points straight for the Cardinals. And that's all in tune to the fact that Wake Forest had six turnovers in that one quarter. I mean, unprecedented number with that many turnovers in one quarter. Eight total for the game for the Demon Deacons. And this is a team that coming into the week was the 10th ranked team. They were tied with USC for being the 10th ranked team in the country. So you had to have thought, hey, they got an outside shot of maybe making the the, you know, the college football playoff, if they just, you know, run the table and just finish the way, you know, 11-1. That did not happen in this game. Absolutely destroyed in the third quarter, as you said, Johnson. 35-0, they got outscored. They lose the game 48-21. to And, I, you know, if you had asked me going into this game who I would have picked, I would have picked Louisville. I saw them in the beginning of the season against Syracuse. They have talent. Malik Cunningham is still a really shifty quarterback that is dangerous when he gets out into the open field. He had a pretty solid game again for the Cardinals. And you saw it in this game. Wake Forest could not stop him from throwing the football. 164 yards passing. They also could not stop the running game of Tyon Evans, who had 106 yards and a touchdown on just 11 carries. Cunningham has two rushing touchdowns as well. Tough break for the Demon Deacons. Not only falling in this game, but now they have no chance of making the college football playoff. And any chance of them in the ACC championship have gone out the window as well. No, it's I mean, a real. Sam Hartman had his worst game of his career. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this might be his worst game of his college. Yeah, career. three interceptions, not good. And like, it's a real shame bad. too. Um, going into that third quarter, you have so much hope. You're only down by one. Wake Forest is getting the ball at the half, so they have some time to kind of light the world on fire once again, to kind of prove to everyone themselves, hey, you know, we're a team here to stay in, in this new ACC and this new post. Uh, 
I guess post SEC, post Big Twelve merger in the next couple of years, they're going to be the team that you know rise in one of these conferences. And they start off with that quarter pick six, sucks. Get it back again, nothing happens, another turnover. Then they score another touchdown and another touchdown, another touchdown. It's like wow, this is really bad. And how do you end the quarter? Another pick six. <laughs> yeah, Harmon three interceptions, and I forgot to mention he also had three fumbles and he lost all three of them. He could he accounted yeah, for six of those turnovers. For Wake Forest, you said it, Grayson. Not one of his better days. Probably his worst game of his career. And you gotta wonder, can can when you have a game like this, can you bounce back after this? It, that's gonna be a game that lingers on for Wake Forest for the rest of the season. You have that cruciating loss against Clemson, like Syracuse did. Also, a couple, you know, earlier on in the season, they were able to bounce back from that. Had rattled off three wins in a row, but then they lose this game in blowout fashion. Now you have some tough games coming up. Look at Wake Forest's schedule the next three games. All ranked opponents at NC State, home against North Carolina, and home against Syracuse. And Duke has been, let's not forget about Duke, Duke has also been a sneaky good team this year in the ACC. So realistically, their last four games this season, not easy for the Demon Deacons as they try to bounce back from this loss. I think if Wake Forest finishes in the top twenty-five this season, uh, it's, it would be success win. on paper. It's still good. It's but still from good, their, but from their peak, though, would be a little disappointing. Yeah. If you told any Wake Forest football fan, said, "Hey, you're going to finish top twenty-five this season," they would sign up for it. But it's from where they fell from is what's going to. Hey, happen. listen, if anyone would know, that's that, that I would know from experience because I was not expecting top twenty-five. And like I said, if they beat Clemson, Syracuse would have been in the top ten. So I would have obviously take at the beginning of the season if you told me we'd be top twenty-five. 100% take that. But from where we could have been, yeah, it stings. 100%. It's it's tough. It's it's definitely tough. I, not to say, you know, going back a couple of years with my with West Virginia, um, they had that year they were sneakily in the top 10. And then the wheels fell, fell off apart. the wagon. So, yeah, you know, it, it hurts. You, you see your season just die in real time. You see, <laughs> yeah. see your you see your season die in real time. Just the yeah, absolute it, threads of your season just come right through your, the palm of your hands. Yeah, it's it's really tough, you know. But look, it's if they finish in the top twenty five, it's good for them in so many ways, recruiting wise. Uh, you know, the future of their program may rely on them staying in the top twenty five this year. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. it's only good, only going to see how they do the down the stretch of the season. Obviously, those two, all those four games are going to be really interesting to see. Definitely will not be easy ones for Wake Forest, but only time will tell how they'll do. But Grayson, it's funny that you brought up West Virginia because I think it's time we talk about this game since I oh, had to get through the Syracuse game. God. TCU, seventh ranked team in the country, <laughs> on the road against West Virginia. I don't know why you're crying because I could have seen this a mile away where there was a lot of points scored. And West Virginia, unfortunately, at the end of the day, losing the game. And that's exactly what happened. You want to know why I'm crying, Nick? I'll tell you exactly. Here we go. West Virginia had them dead to rights at one point in this game. Yep. They were playing some of their best football in the second half. I've seen them play probably since that pick game, if I'm being 100% honest. They had them pinned. Gave up a long drive. Typical West Virginia. Uh, this game goes down to at halftime, in my personal opinion. West Virginia's got the ball. 
driving, blatant missed holding, pass interference, whatever you want to call it, on the defense. The guy is literally dragging his jersey. No call. At the time, sucks. You hope that doesn't affect you. The next play, fumble. Play after that, TCU rushing touchdown. Killed the momentum that West Virginia had going for them. Then late in the game, this dumbass that they have had coach. Between him and our offensive coordinator, Graham Harrow, the last the, this last week, I, I'm not mentally sane anymore. I can't handle it. I, I They're running back-to-back plays on the goal line. Fades. The good old 2016 New York Giants special. Oh, even better, Nick. They, they get the ball back. They get the ball back with a chance to take the lead. You want to know what they do? They run a fucking QB draw with a quarterback that is not a very mobile quarterback. Uh, that's the good old 2021 New York Giants special. I just, it's so aggravating. Was the QB inside your own five yard line? Question. No. Okay. It was in the red okay, zone. Fair enough. But it, it's just so annoying because the, this is a game where you could turn your season around. It, it might not look pretty, but that's a huge win if you could get that win at home. Like, that that would do so much for the program. Instead, now you have people, including myself, wishing Neil Brown was sent into uh, the Bermuda Triangle to never be seen again. Because this fan base cannot handle it anymore. Just pure disappointment. Oh. I'm going to get back to Neil Brown later because, oh, oh well, do I have some We've words. talked about a lot of so- sloppy quarterback play for the last 20 minutes or so, but one thing I do want to point out is TCU's quarterback, Max Duggan, is having himself a season so far. Yeah. 350 yeah. yards, three touchdowns this past game versus West Virginia, West Virginia for the year. Has 22 touchdowns, two interceptions, averaging about 275 yards per game. This guy's lighting the college football landscape on on fire, and I dare I say he's going to be one of those late movers in the NFL draft if his combine goes good. He's think, not even getting th- a lot I of think talk for the Heisman. Is he? like, I, I mean, he's definitely a consideration, Heisman. but the problem is when you have Hendon Hooker playing the way he's playing right now, oh, yeah, he's, 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 right now favor- Stroud, he's right now the favorite. He's right now the favorite. Like, no, 100%. And, I, yeah, I, and you I have just, Shroud and Young, too. Yeah. I'm not going to say I haven't he's... seen his name pop up at all. I mean, with I the say, season, that's yeah, the only he, reason why I say it. Yeah, he's been very underappreciated this year. And when he's had to come step up and make the big plays and come step up in big situations, he hasn't shied away. He's come up every single time so far. And, and traditionally, TCU is a rushing offense. They're not passing the ball that much before really Max Duggan got there. They're really um, a ground and pound type of team. Well, I mean, they didn't shy away from the run still this game anyway, because Keandre Miller still had 120 yards and a rushing touchdown. So yeah. they still were able to run the football, but you're right, Johnson. Max Duggan did throw for 340 yards in this game and three passing touchdowns. Also had an interception. But yeah, TCU, I mean, they have playmakers above on the receiving core. I talked about Quinton Johnston earlier. He's going to be one of those receivers considered to be the number one receiver in the draft. And he had another big game, four catches for 76 yards, scored the last touchdown, which hit the over on the last touchdown, 
in a weird sequence either way. TCU hangs out, but I think when you talk about Max Duggan not getting really much consideration, I think that's just the whole mentality of this TCU team. Because I don't think they get as much recognition as they do for no, being 8-0. They're the 7th ranked team in the country, but when you talk about the college football playoff, you're talking about obviously the teams like Georgia and Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, and then obviously Tennessee, who's gotten into the conversation this season. TCU was trying to be like that Tennessee type where, you know what, they're trying to sneak into that convo like because no one expected them to be here. But right now they are here. And with some of the shakeups that we had this week in the Big 12, they're obviously right now the favorite to win the Big 12 championship. The question is going to be who is going to be that team that contends with them for the Big 12 championship. Because we had a big stunner between Kansas State and Oklahoma State. That was just an unbel—I mean, an unbelievable sequence of events that I did not expect to happen. I'm I'm still in shock, to be honest. Thirty-five I, nothing beginning of the first half. I Oklahoma just, State on the road. I don't know what the fuck happened in this game. Like I just, <laughs> what the fuck happened? Well, I think How it's fair to say go from they looked like a very solid team, Oklahoma State, and then. I don't know what Kansas State just came out firing on. Well, also, on I think it's fair to point out that their rushing game was non-existent. Yeah, yeah. Their leading rusher was their backup quarterback. I mean, <laughs> and if you, if you take out those backup quarterback yards, I don't think they even they don't even eclipse the the fifty yard mark. I nope. think they're below they're bel- forty yeah, yards no. or thirty yards. They're below thirty. Combine their uh, it'd be below thirty well, if, if you they combine took it out. all the running back everything. You're looking at a. Uh, uh, 37, yeah, 37 yards. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's not for, an, for a ground game where you're going to run the ball probably about 20 times. Or so. Well, let's face fact Oklahoma State has always been a school that has been synonymous with throwing the football. They've had, you know, previous yeah. quarterbacks. I'm going to probably trigger a lot of people with, with saying this, but you know, we have guys like Brandon Whedon who they yeah. we saw him, he was a gunslinger for this for the Cowboys, yeah. and they've been synonymous with throwing uh, the football. Also, uh, um, give me a sec. Pittsburgh backup quarterback Mason Rudolph. Um, no, that's right too. Mason Rudolph, another guy that, that was slinging the ball when he was at Oklahoma State. You're right. And they tried to do it in this game with Spencer Sanders, but he has 147 yards and a, an interception, 13 and 26. Kansas State just, like Jonathan said, or they, they just, I mean, they just dominated this game. And hats off to Will Howard, the backup quarterback who had to fill in for Adrian Martinez last week against TCU. He filled in that second half. They lost the game. But this game, he was well prepared for this one. Four passing touchdowns, 21 of 37, 296 yards. He had a monster day for the Wildcats. Deuce Vaughn also helped them in the backfield with 22 carries, 158 yards, and a rushing touchdown as well. Great win for Kansas State. They now get back into the race in the Big 12. Now are second, only behind TCU. They had that tough loss against the Horned Frogs just a couple weeks ago. But now... They're in position to play TCU for the Big 12 championship. So Kansas State, once again, making a little bit of a push down the rest of the season. Where will they be ranked in the football playoff tomorrow? I think always time's going to tell, but this is a big statement win for Kansas State. I still think Kansas State has no avenue to the uh, the college football playoffs. Oh, no, you have, no, you'd have uh, to have uh, absolute collapses between Emma, Michigan, OSU, Tennessee, yeah. Alabama. No, no, you'd yeah. have to have major collapses from oh, all no, these teams. It's way too not, much. They have no shot. But again, like we said for Wake Forest, them being, it's fun to see. The of this, well, them being ranked at the end of the season could be huge. I mean, 
Oh, recruiting. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, look at how the Big 12 was to start the season. You had teams like Oklahoma and, you know, Texas. Baylor was at one point in the top 10. They the And Oklahoma State, obviously. These were the teams that we were expecting. This conference has killed themselves. This is what we were expecting at the beginning of the season to see in the Big 12. We were expecting, oh, Oklahoma's probably going to be decent enough again to potentially be in the playoff again. And it has not been the case at all. Everyone has realistically beat up on each other. And TCU and Kansas State, at the end of the day, are right now the two leading horses because, you know what, they've done just enough to get ahead of the pack that everyone else realistically has just not been able to do. You have a really bad team in Iowa State. No offense, Grayson, but West Virginia has been really bad this year as well. And then you have teams like Texas Tech and Kansas that have been decent enough to be over 500 or 500. Oklahoma, yes, did start the season off really badly, but they've gone back to winning the last couple weeks. And Texas has been a weird team, very Jekyll and Hyde kind of, saying they were Baylor. So it's weird to see that the Big 12 is really in a big, interesting state as it is right now. But TCU and Kansas City, at the end of the day, are right now the leading horses. TCU has an outside shot of making the college football playoff. And Kansas State, they have a great chance to win the Big 12 championship and potentially play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Agreed. I think at the end of the day, they make the New York Six Bowl. Kansas State looked very promising. I don't think they're going to win the Big 12, but like you said, ending the season top 25 will be a huge boost of your recruiting next year. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. We really, we're now, really referencing Field of, we're really referencing field of Dreams with that right now. right now. I mean, it's not really... It's, I love that movie. It's but a Field of Dreams. Yes. It's a great quote. Yes, it it's is. a great quote. It is. It applies to pretty much any collegiate athletic program. That's uh, fair. Anyway, we're going to stay away to to the next game and <laughs> our topic of conversation. To kind of finish up the bottom of the hour, I want to go over to the SEC, starting with Georgia routing Florida. I got to say, this game was a lot closer on paper than it looks at the end of the day. Florida was at one point down, you know, looking like it was going to be a, an easy Georgia win. Nothing was going to stop them. It's funny because guess what the score was at one point, Johnson? 28 to 3 yeah. for a Georgia team. Yeah. Florida made it 28 to 20 and I said, "Oh my god, are we going to have another 28 to 3 class from a Georgia-based team? They can only take so much at the at the current pace that they're going." But, yeah, the first half was an absolute stomp. Oh yeah, absolutely. Georgia was routing. It, it, this game looked like it was over. Yeah. But give credit to Florida. They did not back away. They did not shy away from the competition playing the number 1 team in the country. Anthony Richardson was all right in this game. Not really great numbers at the end of the day, but did just enough to get the Gators back into it. But at the end of the day, Georgia just has too much star power that Florida cannot contain. Stetson Bennett did just enough. Did not really play that great in this game, but did just enough to help them win. Dejuan Edwards had 106 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Kenny McIntosh also had two rushing touchdowns. And Brock Bowers, man, he has been unbelievable. Five for 154 and a touchdown. He's been amazing for this Bulldogs team. And Georgia... Staying undefeated with the win, most likely will be the number one team in the country come the playoff poll tomorrow. But gotta give credit to the Gators. They they try at the end of the day to keep it alive. They just could not get enough to win this game at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough. I mean we all knew Florida really wasn't that good of a team. Yeah, I mean like they're not bad by any means, but they they have no. They're not even in the realm of Georgia. Yeah, they haven't been for a while. Um, yeah, I mean Bennett had a pretty bad game, like, but he, like you said, he did just enough to get them to win. Um, 
that Georgia defense though is just full of dogs. Like they're just fucking savage. Yeah. They have a lot. I mean, they've they produce a lot of NFL talent throughout the past couple of seasons. They're going to produce a lot more probably this upcoming draft, oh, yeah. and probably for drafts to come. They just they're they're a factory right now. Yeah, they're hundred percent are. The, their defense over the last, I, I'd probably say what five years, maybe even maybe more. longer than that. Yeah, but I'd say there's five a former Georgia sure. Bulldog that just got traded today, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the NFL discussion. And he's been and he was another product of the NFL, you know from Georgia that went out to the NFL and he's done amazing things. Yeah, true. But I mean, you know, they've just produced athletes all over the place the last, you know, couple of years and it's tough to compete with a team like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean listen, Florida's got a first year head coach too, so still a lot of yeah. things to build off of. Anthony Richardson at one point in the season, you know, earlier on was a Heisman favorite. Now Florida has really faltered since then. So you got to wonder where he currently stands when it comes to NFL draft, you know, wise, because it looked like at the beginning of the season, he could have been a first round quarterback. The way Florida has been the last couple of weeks, probably not going to be first round. I've been seeing him looking around like the second. Yeah, he's more of a second, third round quarterback Maybe, at this rate. Yeah, I was going to say. Er, Kyle, like a Malik, he's, second he's like Malik Willis right now, I think, where he has the talent to be a first round quarterback, but he's probably going to fall because there's just either more talent at the position or there's just overall way more talent as a whole in the draft that a team can wait on quarterback yeah. and doesn't have to take them early on. I, I agree with that. But there is another quarterback in this upcoming draft that is most likely going to go to the first round the way he's currently playing. And I talked about it earlier. He's right now the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And for good reason. Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers annihilate. This wasn't even close. Annihilate Kentucky, forty-four to six, and they did this against a Kentucky team that has an NFL-type quarterback in Will Levis, who a lot of people are saying, you know, is either the second or third best quarterback in this year's NFL draft. And they held him under hundred yards, three interceptions, amazing job by Tennessee's defense. They are a scary, scary team right now. They're playing great They're offensively, nasty. defensively. You talked about Jalen Hyatt. Five for 138 and two more touchdowns. He's been insane. Question is, can he do that next week against Georgia's defense? That is going to be interesting. That's going to be a monster matchup between those these two teams. But at the end of the day, Tennessee gets the win. Kentucky falls for the third time this season. Really, realistically, now they have no shot at making anything in the SEC or anything in the playoff. Obviously, that, that, happened, that was a long shot a while ago when they lost to Mississippi State. But Tennessee, they they keep going. They're not stopping. You know, gas is still on the pedal. Can they keep it going next week in Athens? That is going to be fun to watch. Okay, what did I say previewing this game last week? What did you have to do to even attempt to compete? Yeah, to stop Jalen Hyatt. Contain Jalen Hyatt. Yep. What did Kentucky do? Not contain Jalen Hyatt. Not contain Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. This man, like, you got, like, I get it. He's a he is very tough to cover at this current second. But like, come on. Well, how many times was he wide open? There was yeah. Both of his touchdowns. I don't even the, think there was somebody near nope. him. They kind of had like, the old mentality with the Pittsburgh Steelers against Rob Gronkowski, where they just said, "Oh, I forgot he's open." Well, I probably should have covered him. Like, like that's just. It, I don't know if it's bad coaching on the defense. 
I just don't think Kentucky or has. If it's just a miscue, I think it's just on... Kentucky doesn't have that much talent compared to Tennessee, like defensively. Like they they have they have decent talent on their team, but Tennessee's got some playmakers and a half, and it's really tough for a Kentucky team to go into that environment, especially on the road, and try to beat a team that's just been riding a wave of momentum ever since they beat Alabama. And yeah, they just had no chance in this game. No, one hundred percent. I understand that. It's just like. Bro, the guy goes for another what hundred and hundred thirty eight numbers, right? Hundred and thirty eight on five receptions. Yep. Like, stop him! Somebody's gotta cover this guy eventually. Oh, well, if there's <laughs> anyone that could do it, it's it's Georgia. They have the defensive playmakers to do that. But like I said, that game is going to be really interesting to see because I can't wait. Is this is going to prove Tennessee can get a win on the road? This is going to prove that Tennessee is going to be the team to beat. But right now... Even if they lose this game close, it's going oh, to Oh, yeah. Be- even if they lose close, you still got to put them in consideration for the, the college football playoff. They really won't fall that much in the standings even if they lose this game. So, at the end of the day, Tennessee oh, is in prime position to make the college football playoff. They just need to keep the gas... As I said before, they got to keep their gas, foot, you know, their gas on the foot pedal or else they're going to be screwed. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the SEC, if we're going to keep keep it there, uh, I wouldn't say a shock. No. It's definitely not a definitely shock. Definitely not a shock. It was a shock that it happened now mm-hmm. at this yes. rate. Yes. At, at this rate, you either should have fired him at the beginning of the season or fired him at the end. But Brian Harson is finally gone out of Auburn. Yep. Um, the boosters have won this preseason. Um. But it, he was an embarrassment. Of Why do I always think this guy's name but, was Bryce? I, I I just read my notes and I put his name as Bryce. But whatever, I'm gonna just yeah. continue. Um, he was an embarrassment at Auburn. I mean, the guy had a record of what? Twenty. I mean, nine and twelve. Nine and twelve. Yep. That, that's just abysmal for an SEC team and an SEC team like Auburn. I mean, these are these aren't just. You're me and Miller Road SEC teams. Auburn's boosters and fans not only want but need to compete. That you're fighting with Alabama for your in-state recruits. Nah. Now you're fighting with the rest of the SEC, like Georgia, who's another rival. Like, and there's going to be some competition be coming in soon with Texas and Oklahoma 100%. too. So that will not help them either. Yeah, like you can't you you can't go out there. I mean, great look. He had quarterback issues, I guess. I mean, yeah, they had Bo Nix. Bo Nix has been a pretty damn good quarterback. He's been all right. Oregon. He's, he's been good for Oregon this year. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he had been good at Auburn prior to, you know, Harson. But it, this is what had to happen for Auburn. Now it comes down to who they're going to hire. I mean, maybe, just maybe. They keep their current interim head coach as Cadillac Williams, Auburn alum, Ugh. stand out. I, I mean, love Cadillac Williams, but I don't – unless Auburn gets into a bowl game, I do not see him being the head he'd coach. Have to, he'd have to win a couple big games. Uh, I mean, look at their schedule, too. It's not pretty. Yeah, it's not easy. At Mississippi it's not, State. It never is. Now, you could potentially beat Texas A&M because A&M has been bad this season. Western Kentucky is also an easy matchup. Then they're going to get killed. 
because they're at Alabama. They're not winning that game. Yeah. They're at if it was yeah. if it was at Jordan Hare, maybe you keep it close, but you're not going to win. They're going to get annihilated yeah. at, at uh, Brian Denny. No chance. The way you the way you look at it, if he could keep this, if he keeps that Alabama game close, he might win. He might keep the job. If I'm being honest, if he finds a way to keep it close, he might win the job. Yeah. But now, if not, it's. I, I mean, mean, listen, it's funny because I'm, I'm seeing reports that, like, there's a couple guys that Auburn's already looking at. They're looking at Hugh Freeze, the former Ole Miss head coach. They're also looking at the current Ole Miss head coach, Lane Kiffin. That would be interesting to see if they could poach him away from Ole Miss. Considering he's already done, some, be crazy. He's done some great things at Ole Miss, so that would be really interesting to see if also, they could do that. I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, Yeah, Deion Sanders, too. And, you know, I mean, uh, it, I think it's uh, inevitably, you know, it's going to happen at some point. Deion is going to leave to go to a Power 5 school. Now, 100%. I would have expected maybe Florida State to have done it at some point, but it looks like Mike Norville has done some pretty good things there, so they're not looking to really look at a head coach. Yeah. So would Dion want to go to the SEC? That would, would be interesting. Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule, uh, listen, he's a good college coach, well, but hmm, I am praying. I don't know. This is going to go back. I hate to go back to West Virginia, but they need to fire Neil Byron right the fuck now. I don't give a shit about his $20 million goddamn fucking buyout well yeah fire that man and hire matt rule the guys produced in the big 12 i i don't understand no. what chain lines and the rest of the administration's thinking but it is what it is you have a team like auburn who i mean look they've had a bad year this year they're only in year two of harson as their head coach and fired him i mean yeah it hasn't gotten any better it's gotten worse but it hasn't gotten any better for Neil either. Mm, I mean, no, you're not, you're not, you're not wrong. It, if anything, it's got more embarrassing for Neil Brown. Uh, yeah, th- this is the guy is twenty and twenty three, playing in a conference that's nowhere near the SEC. I think the Big Twelve is a good conference, but it's not the SEC. No. Uh, and he's lost to teams that you have to beat, uh, and I understand. I get it. You know, he's going to lose to Oklahoma. He's probably going to lose to Texas. Like, those are losses that West Virginia fans kind of expect at this rate. But the rest of the conference, I mean, even, I'll even give Oklahoma State. But the rest of the conference, you're, they, you're expected to win those games. And he is not. It, and the fact that Harson got fired before Neil Brown is an embarrassment to the state of West Virginia. Now, Johnson, let's just point out the fact that he said he wanted Matt Rule. So if that does happen and Matt Rule does suck, I want this to be on that. This is on paper. It'll now. be on this paper actually- and it'll be on the old exposed uh, takes uh, Twitter account too. I'm going to make sure that they know about this. It's okay. They can. Because you know what? I think Matt Rule will do a hell of a good job at West Virginia. Well, like we yeah. said, Matt Rule earlier on in the NFL episode a couple weeks ago, Matt Rule is in the top 0.001% of football head coaches in America, probably in the world. But when it comes to being a, an NFL head coach, he sucks. Yeah. He's, no, he's I'm not saying like he, is, he is a bad. Yeah, he is not a bad not as, football as coach. Bill O'Brien, but when yeah. You in, no, I should not yeah, Bill you, than My bad. I didn't mean to over. Bill O'Brien's better. But when, you, when push comes to shove, I think I'll be really good in college again. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, listen, that's all it's going to realistically take. I mean, you obviously have to look at some of the NFL coordinators. You could probably potentially look at, you know, or trying to become a head coach and trying to prove that they could be a head coach in the NFL. I don't know what it's going to take for Auburn, but it's just not a good look for the program. I mean, because remember, when they hired Harson, 
It was just 10 days after they fired Gus Malzahn, and they had to pay him a, a $21.7 million buyout. They signed Harson after that to a six-year, $31.5 million contract. That's triple to what he had at Boise State, which he had he was making $1.75 million at Boise State for 2020. Now, they ha- now it said in his contract, if he was fired before December 31st of 2022, he was due 70% of his annual salary from 2023 to 2026, which is $21.4 million. So that's approximately $15 million. That is not a good look for Auburn. They're paying two head coaches now. But they're not coaching the team anymore. Uh, it's a massive amount of money. Now, they have a new athletic director, so maybe that could help them you know, fix the, the mess that they're currently in. But it's not a good look for a program that not too long ago was winning a na- that won a national championship. I mean, that was over 10 years ago. I know, but still, but I mean, it's They competed good. in 2014 for a national championship, so I'll give yeah. you that. Um, I, it's sad. It, it really is. To see how far Auburn has dropped. Uh, I mean, I have family that went to Auburn, so I've always been a supporter of Auburn. Um, it, I wouldn't say it hurts me personally, but I know fans of Auburn are disgusted and they expect more out of their football program. You're an SEC team. It's not like you're a middle-of-the-road SEC team. You've been a top SEC team for years. Yeah. You can't be going through head coaches like this. It's embarrassing. <laughs> that shows that they made the wrong decision. From uh, First off, they, Auburn fans were calling for Gus Malzahn's head for, for about two years. Understandably, I mean, he had been underperforming. But, you know, there's got to be a point to where you suck it up and keep a guy that had been a good recruiter. Won you some big games in the past. He's won you some huge games in the past, actually. And look what he's done with UCF. They're they're a good football team. Yeah, UCF just got into the top 25 polls this week. With half the talent that Auburn has the capability of getting, he's a good head coach. I just I think they made well. I think that's why you look at guys like Hugh Freeze, who are currently who's currently the head coach at Liberty. They're in the rankings now this week. I mean, maybe if you have a chance, can you poach away Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss? Ole Miss is right outside the top ten again. So it would be interesting to see how, what Auburn does from here on in. But again, like I said, not a good look for the program that at one point, yes, like I, like we said was competing for national championships. Now, they're just competing at this rate this season to just even get a bowl eligibility. Not a good look for the Tigers. No, it's, it's pathetic. Now, to end, before we end, it's everyone's favorite part of the podcast, uh, where we give our college football preview. Yep. Now, this is, like we said, we could either end up on freezing cold takes or we're going to be red hot. So we're going to start with a couple of the bigger games this week. And it's Clemson at Notre Dame over under at 48 Clemson minus three and a half. I'm going to start uh, this one. I'm taking Notre Dame. Oh, no. What? I'm taking Notre Dame. <laughs> and Excuse me? I'm going to take Notre Dame, and here's my watch behind this. Notre Dame has looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Granted, granted, Syracuse on paper is not the strongest opponent. No offense. No, I, I'm, I don't take any offense from it. You're not wrong. They were able to beat North Carolina early in the year. They were able to beat BYU. They had shocking losses to Stanford, obviously, which should have never happened. They had a very bad loss to We Are Marshall. 
Yeah. And they had a loss to Ohio State to start the season which, uh, 21 to 10. Yeah. Which was expected. Yeah. Clemson, on the other hand, even though they're undefeated, they've had some very, very scary moments. Barely surviving Syracuse, barely surviving Florida State. Uh, NC State was another screamer. Wake Forest was another screamer. They are kind of just, I don't want to say surviving by the skin of their teeth, but they haven't looked, they haven't really proved that they're so dominant. The only convincing win they have against a Power 5 opponent, in my opinion, this year is against Boston College, who just lost to UConn. Is that is that a fair analysis? Yeah, Boston College yeah, sucks. Like, I, I give Clemson a little leeway. They've been a top team for what the last about ten years, maybe over that. Yeah, yeah, I, and I mean, even if Ugalele is bad, their backup quarterback still a really good option. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But I'm just saying, based on I, what I've seen so far this year, they haven't just, really proven to me that they're the dominant team. So, but I'm also not going to put yeah, Nick is going to sound fucked up. Um, I, my team's shit. I understand that, but I mean, Syracuse's roster is not that good. They, they're they weren't that good of a team. Notre Dame should win that game. It. it I don't see how you could go against Clemson. I mean, if you're taking it strictly off points, I still think you're wrong because Clemson's probably going to win this game. If it's a close game, by at least a touch. Grayson, I'm glad you beat. I'm glad you mentioned that Notre Dame should beat Syracuse because uh, Notre Dame, I don't want to say this, Dick, but they kind of dunked on Syracuse, but Clemson barely survived Syracuse. Dude, that's fine. I mean, so let me get this straight. You think it's okay for Clemson to scrape by, but Notre Dame dunks on them. Yes, because you know what? Clemson has, of recent, struggled with Syracuse for some reason. Yeah, they've yeah they've struggled against Power 5 opponents this entire year. But, no, I'm saying histor- in the last, what, four or five years, Syracuse and Clemson's been, Syracuse's been one of those teams that Clemson just, I, I feel like, looks over no matter what, even ranked or not, and they end up struggling in those games. I still so even, think that even if you take out the Syracuse win, is was is Florida State really great this year? I think Florida State's a better team than Notre Dame. Uh. Is uh, I mean, like like I said, Clemson doesn't have that convincing win to me yet, and I don't think uh, they're gonna get fair. this week. That's fair. I I still think they're winning this game by at least a touchdown. Okay, so what would you put? So you would hammer Clemson minus three and a half then. Probably. I wouldn't say hammer. I mean, I'd definitely bet it. It'd be in my parlay 100%. But All right, I wouldn't, like... All right, so, so after all the douchebaggery with everyone dunking on my team, I don't appreciate this. Let me let me just get into this. As I said before, Syracuse lost that game. Clemson did not win. Syracuse beat themselves. Correct. That's besides the point. Notre Dame coming off a nice win on the road. They're at home from this game. So this is a big environment. Now, the last time Clemson went into Notre Dame, Notre Dame won that game. And DJ Ugalele played in that game because Trevor Lawrence was out with COVID. So, let's keep that in mind. Now, that was COVID year. So, again, it's not the same as what currently Notre Dame is going on with. This is not going to be an easy game for Clemson. Notre Dame has a great chance to win. I think they could win this game. 
Now, am I going to pick Notre Dame to win the game? No. The reason I'm going to pick Clemson is because I think they've a lot of things have gone right for them, and I don't see. I just haven't seen enough from Notre Dame to get a big time win. I think their biggest. They got their biggest win of the season last week against Syracuse. They have a great chance in this game, but I just don't think they have enough star power that Clemson does offensively and defensively. I think a lot of things would have to go right for Notre Dame to win this game. They need kind of what happened against Syracuse, where they took advantage of mistakes by DJ Ugalele, and Syracuse was able to poach on them and score touchdowns defensively. Notre Dame's going to have to do the exact same thing to win this game. Do I think they could do it? Sure. But I think with the time off that Clemson has had since the Syracuse game, I think they've learned from these mistakes. They're going to figure out, hey, listen, how do we go into a hostile environment and win a big game? They've done it at Wake Forest. They've done it at Florida State. So they are not immune to winning big-time road, getting road wins. This will be definitely the toughest test of the season. It's realistically going to be their last toughest test of the year because they don't really have any big-time opponents down the stretch. If they're going to lose a game, it's going to be this one. But at the end of the day, I'm going to take Clemson. Okay, now you're taking Clemson. Uh, you think they're going by touchdown, two touchdowns? I'm going to say Clemson wins this game. I'm going to say by six. Okay. So you guys are buying into Clemson by about a touchdown. But I, I think I just my I just don't Notre Dame really relies on the run, so they're gonna have to rely on that heavily. Clemson did struggle against that against Syracuse, but I just don't see a scenario in which they're gonna make that many mistakes like they did against the Orange. I, I think they just pick up and, you know, bounce back from all the stuff that went wrong in that game and they just have a they just ride the ship and just finish out the rest of the season undefeated. All right, so that'll be interesting to see. Nevertheless, the next game I have on our list is Wake Forest versus NC State. In-state rivalry game. I have no idea who's winning this game. It really well, depends on which team shows well, this- It's going to be Wake Forest at, at North Carolina State. So Wake Forest, four and a half point favorites, over under at 54. I mean, listen, it can't get any much worse for Wake Forest after eight turnovers in a game on the road. The problem is, I don't know how they bounce. I just don't know how Wake Forest responds from that type of a game. I mean, you had everything realistically on the table going into that game against Louisville, and you just let it all slip away. Now, NC State, in the meanwhile, almost lost a game against a really bad Virginia Tech team. They were able to hang on by one point. I'm going to take Wake Forest to win the game. I would take them by a touchdown, but I'm not too confident in doing it. Because if Sam Harmon plays the way he did the last game, man, Wake Forest is going to have a very bad day again on Saturday. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Wake Forest, maybe not by a touchdown, I'm going to say by a field goal. I think that both teams regret, played so horrendously last week that they're both going to regress to their mean. But I think Wake Forest's mean is a lot higher or significantly higher than North Carolina State's mean. That being said, I'm going to take Wake Forest in this situation. I'm taking NC State with the points. Okay, so you think they cover, but you think uh, Wake Forest? Yeah, I think Wake Forest wins. I just, I think. I I agree with that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Okay, so it looks like we're all synced up on this one. Going to a Big 12 matchup, Texas versus Kansas State. Is Texas back? No, they're we not. We don't back. fucking know, cause you know what? This team's fucking Jekyll and Hyde. G- can I can I call my pick for this game after the first drive? No. 
for Texas. Well, that's the only way I'm going to know who's winning this game because well, Texas is either going to show up like they're a top 10 team in the country or they're going to show up like they're Auburn. Well, Texas at number 13, Kansas State. Texas two and a half point favorites over under at 55. Uh, my favorite bet will be the over. There will be mm-hmm. 55 points scored by halftime. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I think the over is well. These are two really good offenses. I mean, listen, you can say what you want about Texas, but they have a really good offense this season. No, 100%. I just. Uh, I will you, take Texas uh, to win this game, to pick. I will it's take Texas to win this game. game. You're taking Texas, I, really? Brain wants, I'm, I'm going to take my Texas. Brain wants to take, I want to take Texas, too, but I just don't know what teams want to show up. That's my biggest problem. Texas which is seems why to I'm have. Gonna, I'm going to go with Kansas State, but. Okay. Uh, I could easily see Texas winning this game because. Like see, I said, they're Jekyll and Hyde. See, this sucks because I for sure thought Johnson was going to take Kansas State, and I was going to say, you know what, screw it, give me Texas. Because this has been a Jekyll and This has just been a season about chaos. Let's just face facts. Texas has been very Jekyll and Hyde, as Grayson said. They should have won that game against Oklahoma State. Let's just face facts. And they let that game go to waste. I'm going to take Texas, but I'm not confident in that game. At all. I just think if Bijan Robinson has himself a day and Quinn Ewers does not throw four interceptions like he did against Oklahoma State, Texas should win this game. But I don't know, man. Texas is really scary to take. Okay, so it looks like we're in somewhat agreement there. Somewhat next agreement, big yeah. game, Next big game we have Oklahoma State going into KU. KU has been on a couple game losing streak. Number 18, Oklahoma State versus Kansas. Oklahoma State, two and a half point favorites. Over, under, 65 and a half. Um, I'm taking TCU. TCU. Oh, yeah. Eight. Oh, wait. We're, I'm sorry. We're I'm, not, I'm, I'm, OSU. I'm, you're getting a, a little ahead. Um, I'm a little ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I misread my sheet. Uh, <laughs> I had them in a different order. That's my fault. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma State. I think they have to bounce back. If they don't... Um, it's going to really hurt them as a program, I feel like. You get embarrassed, and then you're going to lose to, I mean, Kansas, who this year has been average. Kansas has been good, but they haven't been the same since Jalen Daniels got injured and has yeah, been out for the season. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, you lose to a Kansas team that's without their quarterback. I just uh, I don't see how this would be an excusable win or loss for them if uh, they lose. I'm taking Oklahoma State, but I just – it would be embarrassing. I'm also going to take Oklahoma State, and I'm not going to pick a spread or a winner. or I sh- I'm sorry, I'm not going to take a spread minus two, two and a half, plus two and a half. I'm going to take Oklahoma State and the over. Kansas can't play defense. But apparently neither can Oklahoma State. So I think that would be another shootout over under at 65 and a half as of 1031. I'll take Oklahoma State too. And the only reason I'm taking Oklahoma State is because Kansas has been on a bye week for two weeks now. So that's a lot of time to be resting and having to go in a game against a ranked opponent. I Like I said, Jalen Daniels has been injured. So their offense has really taken a hit since he's been hurt. And you've seen it. I mean, Kansas has not really been the same team. Lost at Oklahoma, lost at Baylor. Now they're home again. Have a chance to really pull off a major, I would say, upset at this rate because Kansas is not, like you said, it's not been the same team since earlier on the season. But 
I think Oklahoma State just has too much star power compared to Kansas' star power. So I'll have to take the Cowboys, unfortunately. Okay, looks like we're in agreement there. Uh, Grayson, you kind of previewed this game uh, a second ago, but we'll go into it right now. Texas Tech versus TCU. Obviously, TCU, one of the best teams in the nation, top of the, top, top of the Big 12. Texas Tech uh, having a typical Texas Tech season, 500 Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, it's Texas Tech at TCU. Threat is minus 9.5 for TCU, over under at 69.5 nice. points. Nice. Taking the over. Um, but it's TCU. I mean, TCU has to win this game. No, this I- isn't even – this is a must win for them. I mean, every game out is going to be a must win for them if they want a shot. Um, but I just think this this TCU team's got a ton of potential. They're offensively not as much, but offensively they, they could play with anybody. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Texas Tech is going to have their moments, I think, on offense, but defensively I think TCU will be ho- able to hold it down. I'm going to take TCU minus 9.5. I think they cover. Not too confident in the over. 70 is a lot of points to get in a football game, but this is the Big 12. I'm going to say take the over with caution. See, I'm the opposite. I'm taking the under in this game. Because I think Texas Tech's offense has not been too great as of late. I understand they scored 31 against Oklahoma State. Then they put up 48 on West Virginia. But no offense, that's because West Virginia's defense is really, really bad right now. Then they had a bad game this week against Baylor. 45-17, they got annihilated in this game against the Baylor Bears. I think this is just an this is a game, like you said, TCU... Cannot let them slip away. Texas Tech has had an upset array this season against Texas. The question, the only thing I'm going to be concerned for TCU is, will they look ahead? Because the week after, they play Texas. And that's a road game for TCU. That's the game, I think, if there's going to be a loss for TCU on the season, it could be that game. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I'm not going to preview that. We'll talk about that the next week in the show. I'm going to pick TCU to win this game, but... I'm very concerned that Texas Tech could give them a run for their money, but I will take the under. I don't think I think 70 is going to be too much in this game. All right, so it looks like we're kind of in agreement here. We've all kind of been on the same page. Alabama at LSU, number six Alabama versus number fifteen LSU. Alabama heading into LSU. Alabama thirteen point favorites over under at fifty eight. I'm going to take LSU to cover the spread, but to lose to Alabama. I think I'm taking LSU in this game. Oh, that's inter- That's a hot take. I, I really have not liked Alabama this year. Um, I think Bryce Young's a fraud, which I've thought for a while. Um, that's mostly because of my Alabama hate, but mm, yeah. I'm still on roll with it. Um, I think LSU's just playing their best football of the year right now. Uh, Alabama just on the road. It, it just seems like it could be a tough game for them. Right, we have to also remember a couple of weeks ago, and earlier in the month, Tennessee went into <clears throat> LSU, just blanked them four to thirteen, <clears throat> and Alabama and Tennessee had that extremely close game. So I think it's fair to say that Alabama and Tennessee are on the same level. Alabama being slightly below Tennessee, but not by much. So by yeah. that logic, I'm going to take I, I'm going to take Alabama if, to win, but LSU to, to cover. I think if those two teams played again, Alabama would win. I think it was just Bama started off the game really slow. And if they played, you know, 100% throughout the entire game, they would have won that game. Um, when it comes to this game against LSU, listen, LSU, like you said, has been on a roll as of late. Big wins against Florida and Miss and Ole Miss. 
you know, Alabama got that big comeback, you know, from the loss test. He got the win over Mississippi State. I'm taking Alabama to win, and I would take the spread in this game. I don't think LSU has enough, you know, firepower to keep up with this Alabama team. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I think LSU isn't just there yet. They still need a couple more pieces to, you know, get back into the national championship consideration. They're still not there at the current moment. I think Alabama, they can't afford to lose this game. They lose this game, they're done. They have no chance of making the college football playoff. I think Alabama is going to make a statement. They're going to go on the road and pretty much destroy LSU to win this game and stay alive in the pack. Okay, that's a very – we have some hot takes here on each side. Uh, Could be interesting pod next week for sure with the results of that game. And last but not least, the game of the week, probably game of the year outside of the – some people, you could call this the real national championship happening right now, or at least the midseason national championship. Tennessee, number two Tennessee at number one Georgia. Georgia moving a touchdown favorite at eight and a half points, minus eight and a half, over under set at 66. I really don't want to pick a game because this is going to be absolutely crazy. The last time they played, it was Georgia 41, Tennessee 17. That was last year. But these are way, way, way Tennessee different. Tennessee is for we're sure a about, different team this season. You're talking about offensive, offensively, Tennessee is top five in points, in passing yards, total yards. Just an absolute change from last year. But defensively, Georgia is that team holding, on average, this is playing in the SEC, number six in the nation, 271.4 yards a game. So an unstoppable force is going to be an immovable object this game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm going to say I'm going to take the... Uh, I'm definitely going to take the under this game. I think if it, we had to lock this, I think this would be a gritty defensive battle. Tennessee's offense is going to get some quick one-two punches in, but I think they eventually for, fall to Georgia by a touchdown. So I think if I had to pick it, I would say the under plus, and Tennessee plus eight and a half. But I think Georgia eventually comes out ahead with a score like 28 to 21 or 28 to uh, 24. Um... This is this is really tough. My heart is screaming, take Tennessee straight up to just win this game outright. Uh, maybe it's because that's what I really just want to see. Um, I just, I think I want to take Tennessee with the points for sure, but I don't know. I think Georgia has potential to finally lose. I think it. this is going to come down to, if, like I've said for the last three weeks, if you stop Jalen Hyatt, you definitely have a shot of winning the damn game. But if you don't, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> and Nick, give us your thoughts. So is Grayson taking Tennessee or Georgia? Uh, I'm taking Tennessee plus the points. So Do you say, you say Georgia. Georgia, you say you're saying Georgia's going to win, but Tennessee will cover. Okay, yeah. I, I just, I just I need a clarification. I don't know if I can do it. Okay, so how I look at this game is this. Tennessee, on paper, has the better quarterback, and they have the better number one wide receiver. Right. Now, when it comes defensively, I would say Georgia's defensive players over Tennessee, but Tennessee has some really good defensive players on their unit, and they just showed it last week against Will Levis. Now, the number I do love in this game is the over. I think that is going to smash. I 66... I understand these are two solid defenses, but these are two really, really, really good offenses at the end of the day. And we've seen Georgia. They're putting up points. 
just as much as Tennessee is putting up points right now in the season end. I don't like the eight and a half number either. I think Tennessee could cover that. The question is, can they win outright at Athens? I don't know. I just don't think Tennessee has really faced that hostile. They have that big win against LSU on the road. But other than that, I don't think they faced a hostile environment like this. Georgia is another place when you're going on the road to face the Bulldogs. I think it's hard for me to pick against Georgia because they're just such a good team. I'll have to take them, but I'm not too confident in taking them. I really could see Tennessee going on the road and upsetting Georgia. And it's really weird to say upset, but at the end of the day, you would never really expect it at the beginning of the season, Tennessee, to be even in consideration to pull off an upset against Georgia. But right now, they're in that topic of potentially doing it. But I really could see Tennessee win this game, but at the end of the day, I'll pick Georgia. So it looks like we're all synced up on the. We could see Tennessee doing it, but we're not buying it. Just I, I, I just, yeah, I just think Georgia has more star power, as I said earlier, a lot of times in the show. But I, I think Georgia is just yeah. has a lot more talent. Than Tennessee does yeah, I mean, defensively. There's a reason Georgia's number one. I, I think <laughs> when it comes to push or shove, Tennessee. I think it's going to come down to this. It's going to, you know, come down to a last second field goal for either of these teams. Whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. That's how I see it happening. I could see that. All right. I mean, listen, uh, crazy week we had this week with college football. Some uh, big upset in the ACC. Well, realistically, two big upsets, I guess, of Syracuse, unfortunately. But I know next week's going to be crazy with the Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee, Georgia game. Could Clemson lose? We'll have to see. But that is going to do it for our college football discussion here on the All Gas No Break Show. I am once again one of your co-hosts, Nick Pavona. Join alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. Tune into our next conversation as we talk about the NFL. Another crazy Sunday, and we have a big NFL trade deadline coming up. Some trades have already been processed, and who we think could potentially be getting moved on next. Once again, this is the All Gas No Break Sports Show.